I'm Maria, and welcome to the 3L podcast series, Limited Liability Leadership, Raising the Bar in Leading the Bar. Thanks for checking out our upcoming limited podcast series developed and produced by Class 8 of the W.N. Reese Smith Jr. Leadership Academy program of the Florida Bar. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is James Horn, and I'm excited about the podcast we have lined up here for you today. I'm joined here by some fantastic colleagues that will introduce themselves here soon. We are all part of the eighth leadership class here at the Florida Bar, and I strongly encourage anyone listening to think about applying to the program. Even during COVID, it has been a good experience. The topic of conversation today is resources for young lawyers. The format today will be around Robin, where everyone will answer slash present on these three topics. First, everyone will talk about a resource they used when they were newly minted lawyers. Then we will all give a war story or two about difficult times we had as new lawyers involving more seasoned lawyers. And lastly, we will talk about a new resource that wasn't available when we were young lawyers or one that existed that we did not utilize or knew existed. Now on to introductions. First, myself, I'm a solo practitioner from the 12th Judicial Circuit, which encompasses Manatee, Sarasota, and DeSoto counties. Before opening up my own firm, I practiced at a small local firm. I practiced in the areas of medical malpractice, personal injury, and family law. I went to law school at FIU in Miami, and I want to give a big shout out uh, for getting to spot number 88 in the U.S. News and World's ranking. I think all the Florida schools moved up this year, which is awesome. So I'll turn the mic over to Christine Manzo to introduce herself. Good morning, everybody. My name is Christine Manzo. I'm practicing in Miami, Florida. I have been down here since the start of my career. I've been practicing for about 12 years now, initially in the commercial litigation space, but recently have also been doing some personal injury defense. I am a double gator and also happy about the (laughs) uh, rise of UF in the ranking. So thank you for having me. Good morning, everyone. My name is Nikisha Pryor. I am also in South Florida. I'm in the Fort Lauderdale area. I have my own practice, uh, the Pryor Law Group and Cornerstone Florida Title. Practice primarily uh, real estate law and title insurance. I've been in uh, in my own practice for about two years. Before that, um, I worked at a couple of South Florida law firms, one doing commercial litigation and then at the other doing um, premises liability, medical malpractice, and some personal injury. Prior to that, I served as an assistant state attorney in the 17th Judicial Circuit for uh, Broward County, Florida, for about two years. I am an alum of NOAA Southeastern University, Go Sharks! (laughs) And so happy to be here with you all this morning and strongly encouraging anyone who's thinking about it to apply for the Leadership Academy. Like James said, it's it's a great experience. It's been a great experience, even with the adjustments we've had to make for COVID. So happy to be here this morning and to share with everyone. Hello, everyone. This is Nicole. Um, I'm calling in from the Florida Supreme Court. So that's my work now. Um, prior to joining the court, I did three years of litigation um, and then one year um, at an, working in-house. My very first job was in-house, which is kind of strange, um, but that's the job that opened up. And that kind of goes to a story later on, take the job that opens up. Um, I also worked for two years as an assistant state attorney. And uh, that's where I got a lot of my um experience doing litigation and I was in Jacksonville 
Um, and then after that, I did commercial litigation, federal commercial litigation at a firm in Jacksonville and um, got to do a lot of work with corporations representing them in federal court. I would just I went to the University of Florida, 11 College of Law. And um, so I'm also happy to see it rising in the rankings. Um, it makes me very happy. But for undergrad, I went to a very small school in Jacksonville called Jacksonville University. And that's where I got my um, degree in psychology. So I, like the rest of my colleagues, I would encourage everyone to apply to the uh, Florida Bar Leadership Academy. It's a wonderful experience. You get to network with amazing professionals and um, grow professionally. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for the introductions. And um, I will uh, give a stab at answering the first question, which is a resource that I used as a newly minted lawyer. You know, I think some of the hardest things about being a young lawyer is that law school does a great job, you know, at teaching you how to think like a lawyer, but it doesn't teach you the nuts and the bolts of being a lawyer. My first job, as I said, was at a, a small law firm with three other attorneys. And I think they were maybe at least 20 years older, um, you know, than myself. And each of them, it was a heavy litigation firm. Uh, so they all had their active caseloads. So it wasn't like they were always sitting in their office. They weren't always available. I could just walk over and ask some questions. Um, and this would be a problem, um, you know, even now when people are, everyone's, you know, working remotely and you can't just walk down the hall and ask your questions. So what I did was I turned the support staff that had much longer careers in the law than myself. And you know, the good ones, and there were several at my firm, were great resources when you had a question. Uh, they knew the practical side of the law. They were great uh, in that if you didn't get the, you know, I can't believe you're asking me this face because of course a lot of young lawyers <laughs> are a little bit nervous to go talk to you know, their, their bosses or, or, or mentors and say, hey, you know, what do I need to do with this? And you, you're kind of worried you're going to get laughed out of the classroom, kind of like in law school um, <laughs> sometimes when you ask questions. Um, and you know, the other thing too is that they're really excited to talk to you. And, you know, and that was one thing that, you know, and they're really excited to tell you what they know and to try to help you out and stuff like that, um, you know, which is also nice. And then, of course, in time, then you help teach them a little bit about the, the more nuanced stuff that maybe they wouldn't know. So it's like, you know, a nice, you know, um, ability to, to build rapport with the support staff and stuff like that, because you're going to have to use them and, and rely heavily on them. And, you know, I mean, I remember going to them and saying, you know, how would so and so do this or that? You know, and of course, they'd be more than happy to tell you exactly how your boss does it. And of course, that makes you look good with them because they're going to be happy that you're doing it the same way that they would do it. You know, and of course, it's also important because sometimes at smaller firms like mine, uh, there wasn't a great bank of forms. You know, there wasn't some big knowledge base where I could just go look at templates and stuff like that. I mean, everyone, you know, kind of had their own small independent firms under one roof. You know, they all did their own things differently. But, you know, of course, again, if you have good support staff, you can always reach out to them and they can help you. Uh, you know, lead the way. And then another thing too is when you actually did get the partners or the other attorneys on the phone or you could talk to them, you know, they would say, um, well, I remember doing it on this case, you know, they give you a case name or something like that. And then you'd have no idea where to find it uh, because you didn't have access to the files and stuff like that. And so of course, that's another great thing to go to the support staff who did the file and say, hey, on this case, I need this. And of course, boom, in two seconds, they typically had it for you. So spending, you know, all the time trying to dig through it yourself. 
And then another good thing about that, you know, again, they've been doing it longer than you have. Um, I always like to talk with them and bounce ideas off of them because as new lawyers, you love to say, oh, my gosh, my client is some big travesty and, you know, all this other stuff. But you really can't take their word as the gospel a lot of times. And, you know, as you get older and you have more clients, you kind of, you know, pick that out of people. But, um, you know, and they're always good at saying, you know, it makes sense. What about this? Um, you know, really helping along uh, every step of the way. So, again, they're, you know, a really good resource that, you know, I definitely use and I strongly encourage anybody else to. When we had this topic come up, the first thought that came to mind was the Westlaw research assistance phone number. And I that was a lifeline for me as a young attorney. So when I first started practicing, I worked at a small boutique law firm in Fort Lauderdale. There were two partners and two associates. They did pretty complex commercial litigation. There was a lot of products, liability, patent and trademark infringement, all stuff that was way beyond my knowledge as a first year associate. And so I was, of course, tasked with doing a lot of research and writing and uh, helping the two partners prepare for hearings. So doing a lot of reviewing of case law. The first day that I arrived at the law firm, I still remember this very clearly, walked into the conference room which was sort of like the war room. They had this huge dry erase board with all of these airplane parts drawn and named because they were involved in some complex litigation revolving, involving a small airplane, I believe that had crashed in the Bahamas and some parts that were thought to be malfunctioning. And so they had all these airplane parts drawn up on this dry erase board, all of these binders and case law, stuff that was even to even now having practiced 12 years, the terminology was way beyond anything I could possibly understand and was tasked pretty early on with like, hey, we need you to help us prepare a response to this very complex motion that's got to be filed in federal court in the next few weeks. And so here are some topics that we need you to research. Before I even called Westlaw, I had to Google stuff like, what does this even mean? So I did a bunch of Googling of these terms like airplane parts and a lot of product liability terms that I was completely unfamiliar with and then called the, the Westlaw research assistance number and became best friends with the reference attorneys there <laughs> who taught me really how to search and how, how to come up with search terms and how to, you know, all the, the backslash within a paragraph within 250 words to use quotation marks for things that need to be together, like parentheses, when to use them, when not to use them, et cetera. There was all stuff, like you said, in law school, nobody taught us this stuff. And as a first-year associate, you really are doing a lot of research and writing. That's what most of us are doing right out of law school without any skill set. And so the reference attorneys at the Westlaw <laughs> helpline became my best friends, but also just basically taught me how to research and write early in my career. So they, they were an absolute lifeline. And I highly recommend that if you're in trouble with some research or if you've done research and you you know, I, I did a lot of research and came up with nothing and wanted confirmation from someone who knew what they were doing, that that is indeed the situation, that there is no case law on something. Because sometimes you doubt yourself and you think, well, I'm not doing this correctly. How can I not find something on this particular topic? And so I would call them and they would do it themselves and say, you know what? No, there actually isn't anything on this. And so it's like, okay, then I felt good going to somebody who had been practicing 20 years more than me and saying, hey, there's nothing on this. So... I highly suggest that you use them. I strongly encourage a lot of the young associates in my law firm to do so. And I, I think they're an undervalued resource. Yes, Christine, this is Nakisha. So I can definitely relate to that. I was over here nodding my head, which folks can't see on the podcast. But I, I 
like you were bringing back so many memories when you were talking about, you know, I would do research on a particular topic and find nothing. And then I'd call the, re- the research attorneys and they would say, yeah, there is nothing or search it this way. So that was that's definitely a great resource that I utilized a lot in the beginning as well. For me, one of the resources that was invaluable in the early part of my career in the first couple of years was um, the local bar associations. I was very active early on, well, in law school as well, but then early on in private practice, I joined three main bar associations down here in South Florida. One was the TJ Reddick Bar Association. The other was the Caribbean Bar Association. And then the third was the Broward County Bar Association, because I'm in South Florida, like I mentioned, uh, Broward County. And all of these bar associations just enhanced I think my practice and the experience of being a young attorney incredibly. I'll start with, for example, the Broward County Bar Association. It's a very big little bar. They have so many resources and I'm sure that young attorneys will find this is the case with a lot of the countywide bar associations wherever they're located. So these, uh, the Broward County Bar Association had, you know, different sections, much like the Florida Bar. Okay. So it has sections that are specific to practice areas. It has sections for um, solo or small attorneys, family law attorneys. And then um, these different sections would have different meetings and and opportunities to mentor young attorneys. So you're meeting a lot of um, more seasoned attorneys that you can uh, rely on for different resources. They also had various committees that gave the opportunity to Um, Like I said, mentorship opportunities, but also exposed you to different things that were going on in the community and gave different volunteer opportunities. And I think for young attorneys or for me as a young attorney, particularly, that was invaluable because, you know, it took you away from kind of the drudgery of sitting there researching and writing for hours on end. And it kind of um, exposed me to different attorneys who were doing what I had done and who had you know, kind of enjoyed the practice of law for so long because being involved really enhanced their legal practice. And so that was that was good to see. And one of my mentors actually said to me, you know, I would never have practiced law for this long had it not been for my local bar involvement um, because it just enhanced his practice so much. So the local bar association is definitely a great resource Um, In addition to, you know, being exposed to mentors and other more seasoned attorneys, they have a plethora of programming, right? They have social events, also a great resource for meeting people, connecting with other either young attorneys like yourself or more seasoned attorneys who could be mentors. Um, They have a ton of CLE, professional development programming. Here in Broward, there's the annual Bench and Bar um, Conference. Uh, which everyone looks forward to. They have mental health and wellness resources. A lot of these bar associations also have job boards. Okay, so it's just a, a lot of resources that are out there for young lawyers that I found to be very helpful in my early years. I also joined the young lawyers section of the Broward County Bar. I was on the board of directors for about two or three years. And I can hands down say that was one of the most rewarding experiences of my early professional career. I got to work closely with like-minded young attorneys, got to chair and or chair different committees and organize different volunteer activities. And it's just an overall a good way to develop your leadership skills and to make personal connections with attorneys on a different level that really do last your entire career. 
So um, for me, the local bar associations was uh, definitely a great resource and continue to be a great resource. And I would highly encourage any young attorneys to get involved in their local bars. Yeah. In the beginning of my career thinking about resources, I, uh, again, I was in-house and there wasn't a lot of access to Westlaw because nobody did any research. So um, we were like a, a pilot project. We were sort of like the guinea pigs. And so I would get these complicated research assignments and I had no way to access like the depths of Westlaw. So I discovered the power of Google. And I say that with all seriousness, because like Christine was saying, you know, Google is a great starting point. But if you have nothing else, Google can actually get you cases and you don't have to, if you don't have access to things like, for example, when my first assignments at the corporation was to research this abstract area of contract law in Wisconsin. I had no idea how to find that information. And frankly, we didn't have enough uh, resources with our Westlaw or Lexis to do that. So I just Googled and I found all of these cases. And I go back now a few days ago, I actually look back at some of those early samples, early things that I wrote. And I said, wow, Google got me really, really far. It got me the citation name. It got me the party name. It got me all this information. Number one, it's important to learn how to research. So yes, we, we don't, I don't downplay that. And obviously I learned how to research, but if you have nothing else and you are in a situation where you're trying to figure it out, Google has a lot of great resources. And um, I would just also second everything that everybody said about you know, reaching out to support staff, stuff like that. People are just very, they're willing to help you. They want to help you. And if you want to help yourself, um, it's good to just look at some of the tools you actually know how to use. So I would say one for Google. Now we have to move on to the second question, which I sh everyone loves. Young lawyers, you know, when you talk to older lawyers, all they like to do is talk about war stories and how they, you know, killed it on this case. How can you believe what this person did? You know, that type of stuff. So now we're going to get into the juicy part of the podcast and uh, talk about war stories. Um, so, you know, when I started thinking about this one, you know, th there wasn't a whole lot, you know, of, 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 you know, like, I guess, experience. They had negative experiences with other attorneys because we're trying to make it, you know, towards that because as young attorneys, Sometimes you're going to get jerked around, you know, they're going to test you, you know, and all this other stuff. And it's just like this, I don't know, this weird hazing thing that they like to do. But uh, I remember a small claims case, of course, you know, that's everyone has, I think, a small claims case nightmare story. And I had one my first, uh, first or second year of practice. You know, the other attorney was older. And I think, again, he was just trying to mess, mess with me a little bit. Um, and uh, the local bar and, and Manatee and Sarasota counties, you know, we're very tight knit. We all know each other, you know, so it's, un it's kind of unusual to have somebody say, you know, I'm going to get sanctions against you and all this other stuff. And I'm going to sue your law firm and, you know, all, you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, you don't really see that very often. And it, it was like a small claims court case. And of course, I did a flat retainer because I didn't know any better that, you know, that this easy case could get out of hand and, and have this crazy drawn out thing. And, uh, you know, and the other attorney was just being obstructionist. He just kept filing motions to dismiss. Even when the court would deny it and say, you need to file an answer, he still just filed another motion to dismiss. And, you know, I filed a motion for default because he didn't answer. And and the judge was like, you, you have like two days to answer this. So I'm going to default you, you know, of course. And then he did it. He finally answered. But, um, you know, another thing you got to be really careful about because nobody can see me, but I have the emails that he wrote me because I keep the emails, you know, and this one was written in 2014 and the other one, uh, you know, in 2015. So, you know, this is the type of stuff, you know, I think today it's a little bit, you know, 
I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm bringing back over this stuff and I'm like, I can't believe that, you know, he said this type of stuff. But this is why you don't want to write emails like this because, um, you know, they have it. But, you know, uh, he's there saying we're going to file malicious prosecution against your client. We're going to get $15,000 in damages. I like our chances considering your law firm participated in this frivolous lawsuit. You know, we may ask for damages pursuant to 57105. You know, if I don't, you know, get a voluntary dismissal by Tuesday, all offers are off and I'll file an answer. When your client loses his suit, the guy even lied to get taxpayers to pay his filing fee. Uh, we will also be adding the, the, the company to the lawsuit. So this is like the first thing he sends me and then it gets better uh, because the next one, uh, you know, he sends me, I think a year later because, you know, it's taken this long to get all these hearings and all this stuff. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, and then he says, please insist so our demand that you immediately dismiss this lawsuit. Your failure to do so could subject your law firm to future malicious prosecution lawsuit, as well as claim for damages. As it should have become apparent to your client is a lying freeloader with no credibility and that you have helped him prosecute this fraudulent and malicious, malicious lawsuit almost two years now. The damages could be substantial. My client may be judgment proof, but your law firm isn't. You know, it's... <laughs> You know, and it just goes on and on and on. And, you know, it, it's really it's really frustrating, you know, when you get these types of things, because, you know, as a young lawyer, you're like, you know, people shouldn't act like this. No one's going to push me around, you know, but there's going to be people out there like that. And I don't think I really responded that much to them. You know, I didn't respond to him. I don't think I even responded to his emails. I would just file something with the court. You know, I knew I had a good case and was um, going to fight it with the judge, you know, not with him through email and stuff like that. So, you know, it didn't work. And, you know, we get to trial. Yes, we had to go to a full trial um, on this little, little case. And, you know, he filed a motion to dismiss the night before trial, saying that the corporation I was representing was dissolved. And so, of course, you know, and, and therefore you can't maintain the lawsuit. And so, you know, I, I got there's a Supreme Court case from Florida saying that, you know, if you file it while it's active and it gets dissolved, you can still do it. And so we get so he, you know, we get to court. He walks up to me and he's like, Hey, did you get my motion? You know, he just handed it to me and just smiled and just turned around and walked over, you know, to his client, stuff like that. And, of course, <laughs> and I think, I don't know what I did, but then we walked into court and he's like, you know, judge, we, you know, this case is just can't go forward because, you know, the, 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 the corporation's dissolved. It's, there's nothing there. And, and the, and the judge goes, wow, Mr. Horn, you know, what do you, what do you say about that? <laughs> and I walk him and hand the case to him. And she goes, well, Mr. So-and-so, I have a case here for the Florida Supreme Court so that I can go forward. Uh, so I'm going to do it. And, uh, you know, drum roll, please. After, I think, I don't know, two hours of, of testimony back and forth, he said, she said, da, 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 da. You know, the, the, the judge says, okay, my client got $0. And the other lady got $0 against my client because she said there was no meeting of the minds. And I was like, holy cow, this is like back to contracts, like one-on-one. She said, I don't think these people ever had an agreement to begin with because they're so all over the map. And so, you know, that's how it ended. And, um, you know, I was happy to be over with it. But, you know, like I said, just don't get sucked into that stuff. Don't write crazy emails. You know, everyone everyone wants to get out there and just da 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 you know, and start, you know, showing the other side that you're, you know, so much better than they are. But what I would do when I would do that is instead of putting send, I would print it. I'd walk over to my assistant and say, what do you think about this? You know, or I just let it sit, you know, and I'd send it the next day. And of course, the next day I'm like, okay, let me delete all this stuff in here. And, you know, let's just tame it down and, you know, and all that kind of other stuff. But just be careful. Don't, don't send emails. I mean, you know, these are pretty crazy, you know, that he sent me. 
and he's inactive now, so I hope he didn't treat everybody like he treated me. So, up next, and as you can tell, I'm all excited because I'm telling you, older attorneys just love to talk about this all the time, all these war stories. So, you'll you'll figure that out. The email thing is really crucial, and so I've been at my current firm for about 11 or 12 years now, most of my career, and. Dora who, Kaufman, who's one of the shareholders at my law firm, she's a very smart woman, told me very, very early on, Christine, every email that you send, assume that it's going to be blown up as an exhibit at trial. You got to stand by it. You want to always be the bigger person, always be polite, always be courteous. You never know what is going to come of an email, even if you think it's the most mundane sort of bickering about you know, whatever it might be, a deposition date or something like that. And that stuck with me. And so when I've had moments where I'm really angry and, I want, and I'm like typing up a furious, nasty email before I hit send, I have like Dora sitting on my shoulder, like, are you going to send that? <laughs> so it's hard, but you have to be the bigger person, at least in writing. <laughs> you have to make sure that it's polite and courteous. And that if a judge reviews it, that you're, you're going to look like you were the more reasonable professional person, which is tough to do. Kind of ties into my war story. I actually don't have, my war story is not a specific occurrence, but rather years of litigation against the same opposing counsel, which left me with a lot of really important life lessons. I had 15 or 20 cases against the same attorney for maybe like five years. And during that time, I learned everything that you should not do as a lawyer, pretty much. He was obviously practicing a lot longer than me. And so he was testing boundaries and trying to take advantage of my lack of experience, but also really aggressive, unprofessional, blatantly misrepresented things to the court and in motions. I mean, like really blatant. I won't even give you examples. It's not, it's not worth going down that rabbit hole, but he also, you know, he, he made a lot of personal accusations, a lot of motions for sanctions, a lot of motions for civil contempt, criminal contempt, all kinds of stuff, put my name in the motions, made accusations that I was hiding documents for clients, all kinds of things. We would go to court and he would routinely try to argue motions that weren't set for hearing. He would argue and argue and argue after the court had already made a ruling. He just wouldn't accept it. Then we would fight about the language of the proposed order, even though we were still in the courtroom and the judge had already ruled a certain way. And all of this was obviously being transcribed by a court reporter. <laughs> it's like, so it's just years and years of constantly being in like a really combative situation, which I, you know, I always think that we're just doing our jobs, right? We're all professionals. If you have the better facts or the better case law or the better legal argument and you win, that's fine. But I always think this is our job and we're, we're representing our clients zealously, but none of this is personal. I don't ever think that the other side um, needs to be mentioned in a motion or that the other side is purposefully hiding things or documents. So his profession, his behavior was very unprofessional and made it very difficult for me for a lot of years. But I think it was also the silver lining is that I really learned how to be prepared to litigate against somebody like that. And that future uh, cases against difficult attorneys, I could easily handle them. Like, oh, I've seen this before. <laughs> I know how to deal with this. And sort of to bring to bring it all, sort of to wrap it all up, he he has been officially reprimanded for his behavior. And so I think that that kind of style of litigating, which unfortunately is popular in South Florida, 
has finally come to roost for him. So I survived basically. <laughs> but, th- but the takeaway is, like I said earlier, I think is that no matter how angry you get or how difficult and, and, you know, unprofessional the other side is, you have to take the high road. You've got to be the bigger person. You got to keep your anger in check. That's my advice, as difficult as it might be. Yeah, absolutely agree with that, Christine. One of my war stories, and I have a few, but this one kind of stuck out to me when the question came up. I think I'd been practicing for maybe about three or four years at this time. And the opposing counsel on the other side was just extremely contentious. Probably the worst that I've had. Extremely contentious, extremely rude, extremely condescending, difficult, attacked me personally. Every chance that he got. (laughs) And, you know, like you said, there really is, it's never personal. You know, um, we each have our respective sides to represent And you can do that zealously without, I think, demeaning or belittling or attacking another attorney personally. And this guy would just constantly, I remember we had, and the case was, didn't last very long, (laughs) but in the short time it lasted, it was extremely contentious. I remember he, I took a deposition of his client early on. And as soon as I asked, like the first couple of questions, he started attacking me. Uh, are you trying to entrap my client? You know, you don't even know how to ask questions. Do you even know the rules of evidence? These are the types of things that he would say on the record in front of his client. And I knew he was um, showboating for, for his client. You know, ironically, I, co- I coached mock trial. I, I know the rules of evidence probably better than anyone that I know. I can recite the rules of evidence. And but this guy just wanted to tear me down at every opportunity that he got. And I would kind of suggest to him, these are the the issues with your case. He never listened, never listened. All he was interested in doing was fighting um, and tried to tell him, hey, I have this. You should ask for this in discovery. (laughs) Never listened. And um, filed a motion to dismiss. And he um, showed up at the at the hearing and insulted the way the motion was written. Who wrote this? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. It was just bad. The worst I've ever experienced. And, um, you know, what I learned from it was I, I won the motion to dismiss. His case got dismissed with and he had the opportunity to refile. But then I voluntarily turned over something I had in discovery that was very detrimental to his case, even though I suggested to him, ask your client about this right? I had a video and I said, ask your client about this. And he, he never would. And then, you know, we had a conversation after his case got dismissed and I voluntarily turned it over, even though he never requested it in discovery. And he just came begging afterwards. He came begging for like a, a settlement. And of course I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't give his client. He's like, just give me this for nuisance value. And I was like, no, your case has been dismissed. If you refile it and you're successful in maintaining it, you're still going to lose because of this piece of evidence. Um, And so what I learned from that, as hard as it was, you know, interestingly, um, he took the deposition of, I represented the school board of Broward County in that case. He took the deposition of a couple of school personnel, the principal and I think a vice principal. And even though he was so insulting to me, you know, the principal came afterwards and said, I was really glad you were, you were my attorney. You, You carried yourself really well. Um, you were very professional. She asked me to come speak to her students after the fact. And so I learned two things from that. 
don't stoop to their level <laughs> because I never did. I never fought back with him or insulted him back. I asked him to keep it professional. Um, and, you know, the, the people, other people who were in the room saw that. And then the other thing I learned was always be more prepared that, you know, regardless of the antics that opposing counsel might be engaging in, if you're more prepared and you know that, you know, your case is solid, that's all that matters at the end, regardless of how you're treated or regardless of how you're insulted. The sweetest victory is actually beating them. <laughs> so like Christine said, take the high road, don't stoop to their level and um, just always be uh, as prepared as you can be. And that's the best revenge. I would definitely agree with that. I'm in the beginning of my career still. I actually graduated in 2016, so I'm still <laughs> collecting the war stories as they go along. Um, but one that really stood out to me was also involving a kind of difficult opposing counsel. Um, at my last job, when I was doing um, commercial litigation. Almost nobody was a third-year lawyer doing that job. So they, they automatically could figure out when I graduated, what my experience was, and they would try something. And I had one guy, and he was an out-of-state attorney. He was representing um, his client. We were doing defense. And he was just really unnecessarily nasty. He would send these really rude emails. Um, I, I was kind of shocked because I had dealt with some difficult opposing counsel before. I had been a prosecutor. People will get kind of, you know, testy with you. But usually there's a, a bottom level of respect. He was just kind of all over the place. And, you know, I wasn't really sure what to do about it. So I... I remember going to my uh, partner and, and speaking to her, partner me at the law firm, the partner I worked under. And I remember speaking to her and I said, you know, what do you think? And she said, well, you know, the best thing you can do is to recognize there's some people who are just not going to respect you off the bat. They're just going to try to test you. They're going to try to mistreat you, not to try to, you know, bring this down. But unfortunately, there are other aspects. People treat people differently. Um, there are sometimes people treat women differently. I'm going to go ahead and say it, guys. Um, that's just the way it, what happens. And But you have to kind of accommodate for that. And I remember looking up his firm and there wasn't a single woman working at his firm. I said, like, okay, all right. This I, I kind of understand what's going on. But over time, what I realized was that by maintaining professionalism and being nicer to him than he was being to me, he kind of got the picture after a while that like, okay, I'm, I'm going to beat you, but I'm not going to beat you by doing what you're doing. I'm going to beat you because I, I actually know my deadlines. I actually know what, you know what I'm supposed to be disclosing discovery. I know what's objectionable and what's not because I pay attention. And by the time we actually ended our case, he was like, well, I know you know what's going on way more than I do. So he actually was coming to me saying, okay, what would, you know, what do you think should happen in this situation? What do you think should happen in that situation? And it was, it was a strange kind of war story in that like it kind of had a bit of a happy ending. But I just realized I had to kind of maintain that line. And particularly, I know this is geared toward young attorneys. I understand where you are. I, in fact, am where you are. And people will not always respect what you're saying. But you recognize the people, figure out the players, and approach people the way that you think would be most effective. Sometimes you have to be firm, but maintain professionalism. And they will see that you know what you're talking about. And they will, most of them, um, will stop <laughs> with the crazy behavior by by the end of it. So they end up with a happy ending. But yes, that was just a war story that comes to mind. All right. Well, I didn't. I don't think we disappointed. I thought it was a very fun uh, question topic round robin session. Uh, so so now the last question uh, that that we're going to be talking about today is either a resource that didn't exist um, when we were 
newly minted lawyers or one that existed that we wish we knew existed um, that we didn't use. And and so one of them that I, you know, are kind of, I guess, mine's like a broad topic. You know, some of the three of these things are offered by the bar. You know, the first one is something that did not exist uh, when I was a new lawyer, and it's called Lawyers Advising Lawyers. Uh, and it's a program. It's, it's something that I think a few years ago the, the Young Lawyers Division put together. It's like a mentor, you know, advisor type of a situation. Um, but instead of getting like one mentor, um, you basically there's it's like a peer to peer program. So and it's based on practice areas. There's 50 practice areas. I mean, that's just that's a great you know resource. And I wish I would have known about that because, I mean, I definitely would have used it uh, back when I was younger. And the website is lawyersadvisinglawyers.com. So it's really easy to find. And you can go on there and you can request advice and then they'll pair you with somebody or you can actually become an advisor. I think if you have like five years of experience and stuff like that, you can advise other people. So I haven't used it yet, but I'm going to be going on there as an advisor, I think, for family law uh, and personal injury law. So it's nice if you you know, maybe you're still a practitioner and you have some screwy issue come up like they always do. Um, there's somebody you can reach out to and, and they'll help you. And it's not such like a formalized mentor mentee type of a thing. It's just kind of an issue by issue thing. Um, and another thing that is also really good is legal fuel. Uh, that's another thing that the YLD put together. And, and it really helped me when I opened up my own firm this past August because it has basically everything you need to know about it. There's information on getting started, trust accounting, technology, office space, marketing, and member benefits. And, uh, and there's all types of topics they have in there that you can read about. Um, and then also, which is nice, it has a document library. Uh, that has a sample fee agreements, trust accounting forms, marketing forms, employment agreement for associates. Hopefully I'll be able to get someone one of these days to help me out. <laughs> but I have that in there. Checklist for e-filing, um, which I didn't know how to do for a number of years after I graduated from law school, string law practice, new office, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's a great, great resource out there. I think it's just legal fuel. You just type it in. Florida Bar, and it'll come up. It's like a great website there. Um, and then another thing, too, that I didn't really um, utilize, um, I think more because, again, I had a, older attorneys and stuff I can go ask about, but Ethics Hotline, um, you know, and, and it's always there. It's a great resource. And, you know, personal injury law, like I do, there's always, there's a lot of thorny ethical, you know, issues that you got to make sure, you know, with like conflicts, if you have multiple people in the same accident, paying doctors and out of the settlement or not LPs, like all this really kind of thorny stuff that are going to come up because if you do enough of it, it's, it's just bound to happen. And, you know, the attorneys, uh, you know, who they have there um, are, are well-versed. I mean, you know, they sit there and they point out the specific rule. They tell you the ethics opinion to look at, um, you know, and they're very good with that. I mean, it's just really great. And then, you know, I used it as a resource when I opened up my firm because, you know, if you if you move firms, there's a lot of issues there and stuff you got to deal with, notifying clients of your departure and, and, and stuff like that. So that's, you know, really, really a great resource um, that I didn't really start using till later. And, and you know, since this is the last question, you know, uh, you know, if anybody out there listening to this, you know, want to reach out about anything, you know, I've talked about or any other questions, you know, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to connect with you. Um, you know, you guys can shoot me an email. My email address is the letter J H O R N E 
at the letter J H O R N E law.com. And my phone number, if anybody wants to call 941-210-6000. But again, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about anything we've talked about or stuff we didn't talk about, um, just to help you guys, uh, new lawyers out there. I recently discovered something that's called practical law. It's run by Thompson Reuters, which I think is the parent company for Westlaw, but don't quote me on that. It, it's a membership service. I actually don't know how much the membership costs. I'm not promoting it in any, in any way, but I did mess around on the website a little bit and have actually set up a trial for me to use. But I actually, I think it would be a great resource for young attorneys specifically. So it's sort of broken down into three categories. They have first resources that are called practice notes. So it's an overview of a specific topic. They have all kinds of different topics, obviously, within the law. There's a link to the relevant current statute and the most recent applicable case law. So all of that's sort of embedded in the practice note. I think it allows you to, to sort of quickly learn about a specific area of the law that you maybe aren't super familiar with and have the relevant, important statutes, cases, et cetera, right there, easily accessible. The second part, which is the most important part, is the drafting. They've got a lot of standard forms, depending on the practice area. They have clause-by-clause clause annotations. They have editors available that can give you uh, tips and suggestions on key clauses or arguments that need to be included. There's Word versions available, so you can download and modify based on what you have. There's related content links, so a lot of the practice areas obviously overlap or you can sort of reference from one area to the other. They also have checklists, and I'm a big list person. I have a lot of lists and post-its and all kinds of charts and stuff. I'm a very organized person, and so the checklists obviously appeal to me. Step-by-step -step guidance on a particular practice area and also sort of a checklist or, or a path or route or guide on how to do certain things within a practice area, which I find to be incredibly helpful. So like I said, I haven't used it. I've sort of messed around a little bit with the website and signed up for a free trial. But based on my um, interaction with the website so far, it looks like this is a great starting point for somebody, even you know, young lawyers, but also people who've been practicing for a while. If you're starting a new area of the law that you're completely unfamiliar with, it's essentially like you're a new lawyer. <laughs> so it's a good place to sort of get all of the basics and to have a, a checklist that sort of provides you with step-by-step -step analysis of how to get to where you're going. So I, I thought that was a really helpful resource. I too am available if anybody has questions or wants to reach out to me. My email is cmm at lgplaw.com and my phone number is 305 379 0400. Feel free to reach out. All right. Hi again, everyone. Um, so one resource that I wish I knew about sooner, and this is probably basic, but for me, um, it's not something I discovered this, you know, maybe two, three years into practicing was the local law library. Here in Broward, our local law library is located inside the courthouse. I don't know if that's the same uh, in other jurisdictions. I discovered the local law library and my mind was just blown at everything that they offer. So for a very uh, small membership fee, you know, I found out that all these um, solo practitioners would, they wouldn't subscribe to Westlaw separately, but they would pay for membership with the local law library. And that came with like a Westlaw subscription. And so I would go to the library and I would see these attorneys researching, printing, there's free internet access, 
It's convenient because it's located inside the courthouse. So if you're in court and you don't happen to have your laptop, you can run down to the, the library and um, do some quick research or print, you know, some case law that you might not otherwise be able to, to access. The way that I kind of discovered how valuable the local law library was, I was working at this big firm and we had a case that dealt with, it was like a, a misdelivery of goods kind of, you know, there was a, a bill of lading issue. And so we had to research. I was kind of a very obscure area of the law and I couldn't find anything on Westlaw. Did Google and I found this resource, but I couldn't access the resource. And then I went to the local law library and they had this book with, you know, all this that all this valuable information and cases that actually helped our case that I couldn't have, couldn't find anywhere else. Couldn't find it on Lexis, couldn't find it on Westlaw. That's essentially um, my experience with the local law library. I think it's a very useful resource, even if you are working in a firm that has these other resources check out the local law library. It doesn't hurt to, they have additional resources that might not be readily available elsewhere. And it's just a convenient tool if you're in court and you don't have otherwise have access to your Westlaw or you need to print something really quickly. Um, they also have like a computer center, study rooms, conference rooms, things like that. So that's just a resource that I wish I knew about earlier and that I found to be very valuable. My contact information, like everyone, else has given. It's been a pleasure, by the way. I've enjoyed our conversation this morning so much, and I hope that everyone has gotten something valuable from what the four of us have discussed. Um, you can always reach out to me if you have any questions or, or need help with anything. Um, my email is nprior, N-P-R-Y-O-R, at priorlawgroup.com, and my phone number is 954-366-9172. Yes, thank you guys for joining um, today. The research that I would say that really helped me in the beginning of my career was courtroom personnel. Um, being in there, well, people who've been working with the judge for years and um, know what the judge likes or doesn't like or how to file things. It, it's amazingly complicated to just get things through the system, through the clerk's office, if you don't actually know who to get it to, when, where. Um, and so it's important to talk to those people. They're, they're not just kind of sitting there. Most of them have been there for five, six, 10, 20 years, and they've seen so many things, so many um, turnovers in the court. They they sit with that particular judge all the time. Um, and so I would say, you know, make relationships with those people, not just for the purpose of asking questions, make relationships with people are interesting, period. But they are very helpful in that regard, um, and they can really help you figure out how to do different things. So I would say that's a huge resource that I learned more about when I switched from one county to the other. And I wish I had known about that earlier on. So ask questions, ask often and get that information. Because everybody else is giving their information, I will give my information. The best email to contact me is Nicole Saunders 632 at gmail.com. I check it all the time over my, my work when I usually check mostly at work. Um, and then my number is 954-336-0371. I'm from South Florida, too, just a while ago. So. All right. Well, that wraps everything up. And I was just sitting here thinking to myself, like, giving our phone numbers and email, is that data? Should we be giving our Twitter handles and Instagram stuff instead? Um, but no, I think we'll go with the phone number. And uh, <laughs> if people still talk on the phone these days. And uh email. So like I said, thank you everybody for listening in today. I hope, you know, you guys picked up something from all of us. It was a pleasure talking with you guys and wish you very much luck on your legal careers. Thank you. Thank you.